Hey brothers, thank you so much for coming to Timeless Truths, a journey through 1 John. We learned last week that this first letter written by John is more of a sermon than it is a letter. And it's rich with some good stuff for us, relevant to us in our day. Very encouraging as well as uh, strengthening areas where we need to be strengthened. So it's a very relevant book. Our speaker this evening is Scott Stoddard, whom I have known since 1994. He has worked in the floor covering industry, uh, cell phone sales, and the roofing industry. So he's got you covered in communication from top to the bottom. And uh, he's a man of God. I've known him for years. And he's a newlywed. And I'm thrilled to call him my friend. He's got two beautiful daughters and now three grandchildren. Three plus grandchildren of my own plus nine married infants. Yeah, so he's got 12 grandkids now, and so uh, um, I'm going to pray a prayer, and then we're going to turn it to Scott's daughter, who will be teaching to us from First John. Lord, we do thank you for this opportunity to meet together as brothers. We pray, Lord, you use Scott mightily to impart to us the truth we need to hear today, and uh, Lord, give us insights from your word tonight during our discussions. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Scott, we turn it to you, brother. Thank you. Well, it's a good-looking bunch here tonight. Everybody work today? Everybody tired like me? Yeah. Well, I really count it an honor and a privilege to get to stand up here and talk about the Word of God with you guys and uh, try to relate some of my experiences uh, to you, to y'all. And uh, I'm probably the least qualified in the room to stand up here and talk about, you know, the things of God, and, but I'm really counting on the Holy Spirit to be the one that gets the truth through to you, and I've learned through the years that not to really look at the messenger, but to count on the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to you through whoever it might be that's standing in front of you talking about God or the Word of God, and I hope you'll do the same because <clears throat> no matter how hard I try to study, I want to go one direction, it seems like God wants to change it, you know, in a short period of time before I actually get up and speak about it. I think that may be a safety mechanism he has for me where I'm not talking about what I want to talk about, and I end up talking about what he wants to talk about. Uh, I've, over the last week or so, I've been 10 days, I think I've probably read through the whole book of First John about three or four times. And each one of us could read through the whole book, and it's the living word, so we can see different things in it. You you can read it one way and see something totally different than the way I see it, you know. And that's great because uh, the pastor has allowed different people to come up and teach on the same area of scripture, and so we see the light. Uh, according to the way one person interprets it, and then another person comes up and sees it a different way, and we get revelation that God's given to them. And I really think that's how the whole body is fitly joined together, and each part of it supplies what the other part needs. And so as I read through the book of John, what really stuck out at me uh, more than anything else was the way he talked about love and our relationship with God. 
and how that it's supposed to manifest itself by the way we treat other people and our love for other people. And uh, one of the things that uh, one of the things that's in the scripture here, and the direction I had intended actually to go was talk about light. Uh, so let's just read our passage, and then we'll delve into uh, the way God showed it to me. Uh, the passage that I've been assigned is First uh, John chapter one, verse six. Let's go ahead and back up to five, and then we'll read through to chat to verse ten. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. This is one of my favorite verses because I miss it so much that I have to do this on a regular basis. I confess my sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Of course, that applies to everybody in the room. But when I read scriptures, many times I'll personalize it to where it applies to me. Because the person that I have the most trouble with is the one I had to put the razor on my face, usually just a couple times a week. If I shave more than that, I get pizza face, you know. My face turns into hamburger. So, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word's not in us. So, love, Jesus... Jesus talked about he was the light of the world. And he talks it talks about in Proverbs and through the scriptures about the uh the uh, candle of the Lord is man's spirit, is it? I probably didn't say it right. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And I thought it was really interesting that the way they measure these spotlights, I didn't know we had that in here. I I, w- I had some video that I was going to show but Maybe next time. Um, the spirit of man is a candle of the Lord. And I found it really interesting when I was doing some research on light that these big spotlights that people plug into their cigarette lighter, they call them million candle watt power. You know, that's a little bit better than one candle. right? And I learned also that light absorbs. Light is absorbed by whatever it's exposed to, and it's reflected. And when you look in the mirror, if you turn off the light and there's no light, your reflection's still there, but you can't see it. So the light of God in us is supposed to be absorbed by us and then reflected to those around us. And so that was really the direction I was wanting to take this. Medical science has found many, many different uses for different types of light, be it laser or infrared lights for different types of medical treatment. And uh, I went into some detailed study on that, but if you wanted to look up something like that, you can Google it, or there's lots of good YouTube videos on the different uses for light. But I wanted to relate light as love, 
because if we're filled with his light, then the manifestation of that, what the world sees, and what we, what people in church see, is how do we love other people around us? You know, that is a manifestation of the light. And especially people who are not born again, the world, they only see the light, the Jesus in you, by your actions. How you treat other people. Do you prefer others before yourself? Do you put them first, or do you put your own wants and needs first? And so that's kind of the direction that I wanted to take, and that was the first point that I wanted to make, that Jesus is light, and it says many times through the Scripture, even here in, in John, it says that God is love. And so if God's in us and his light's in us, then we'll manifest that to those around us by the way we act and the way we treat them. Okay. It says, let me find the scripture in Galatians. Has anybody got any comments so far? Surely. We're absorbing the light. Right We're absorbing the light. <laughs> Okay, we're called to serve one another. In Galatians 5.13, it talks about, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So I did a search on uh, the word love in this chapter, and the word love is mentioned 33 times in the book, the first epistle of John. 33 times, and over half those times, he's talking about loving others. He says, he says, don't love the world. Uh, he talks about the love for Jesus that we're supposed to have. And But the, the theme that really stuck out to me from reading this book about seven or eight times in the last week or so is that he, he really talks and stresses how important it is for us to love each other. And he says, don't love in just word. No, don't just love with your, oh, yeah, I love you, brother. And then when you see them that they need something, you pull your draw back. You know, but love is a verb. Love is manifested by our actions. I mean, the most famous, most well-known scripture in the world describes how God loved us. For God so loved the world and then it describes the action that he took because he loved us. And a lot of times we say we love people, but we don't act it out. Uh, I believe there's an issue in the church, in the body of Christ, and not just here, but all over the world, <clears throat> where we tend to associate with people that are in our, our little groups and just the people we work with and people that are in our financial status, you know, and we don't really reach out to sinners. Now, when we say we, I mean me too. We don't really reach out to sinners and get where the darkness is. You know, when Jesus was here, he went out into the world where the sinners were. There's something authentic and genuine about people that live in sin. They don't try to hide it, and they're honest and upfront. And if they see that you're honest and upfront, and you're not trying to beat them over the head with Jesus, but you're trying to manifest Christ's love for them by your actions, then that tends to get them interested in you because that's not something 
that their other people around them are doing. If you have show a genuine interest in their life, in their needs, in the things that they uh, are lacking, you know, or the things that they may need for their kids or, you know, and really care, then it's manifested and they can see that. And by that, they're drawn to the light of Jesus in you by your actions. And we, we a lot of times people will go out and they'll just try to beat people over the head with Jesus and condemnation and all that stuff. But we're actually called to manifest the love of God to people to draw them to him. So when I first got married, I told my wife, she was saying a lot of really good things about me and that I knew weren't true. And uh, and I tried to tell her up front, you know, well, that's just not so. And I told her many times, I said, the only thing that's good in me, Lord, is, Tracy, is Jesus. The only thing that's good in me is Jesus. And I believe that it wasn't anything I had uh, in this natural realm. It wasn't any special talent I have. But she was drawn to the Jesus that was in me. And she told me that at a later date. Because I told her, you know, I've messed up my life in so many ways, and it's not really fair to you to to come into it without your eyes wide open and knowing that you could face some consequences just from being married to me. And she told me that she didn't care about that, that she just wanted to be with me. You know, and that's love. That's what love is. Um... The, the main point I wanted to make is that, that Jesus is light and uh, we manifest his love for them by our actions. Um, I want to read this little thing here. It talks about a married couple and how it how it affects your life. It says love is... Let me find it right here. Anybody got anything to add? Y'all just going to leave me hanging? Okay. Okay, this is called a marriage license learner's permit. It's a wise groom has who has to be dragged to the altar. He knows what love is. It's death. If lovers don't know this, they're headed for trouble. Never will you have your way again. You can't be happy if this other person isn't. No matter who wins the argument, you lose. Always. The sooner you learn this, the better off you'll be. Love is an exercise in frustration. You have the window up when you want it down. You watch someone else's favorite TV program. You kiss when you have frustration and a headache. You turn the music down when you know you like it loud. That one really stuck in my craw right there. <laughs> my my hearing's not the greatest, and my wife complains all the time about, I, it hurts my ears. You learn to be patient without sighing or sulking. Love's doing things for the other person. In marriage, to become one 
in marriage, two become one, but the one isn't you. It's the other person. You love this person more than you love yourself. This means that you love this person as she or he is. It's acceptance. We ask ourselves, frankly, what the impulse is that makes us want to redesign a person It isn't love. We want the other person to be normal like us. But is that loving the other person or loving ourselves? Love brings out the best in people. They can be themselves without being fake or artificial. I call it plastic. How many of you know plastic people? I know some plastic people. People who know they are loved glow with beauty and charm. Love's funny. Its growth doesn't depend on what someone does for you. It's in direct proportion to what you do for him or her. And so I've learned a little bit about love since I've been married. I've been married almost four years, but I still feel like a newlywed. Um, I never knew that a marriage could be as good as it is. And not to say we have a perfect marriage or we don't ever argue, because we do argue. We don't have a perfect marriage. But my love for her causes me to get involved in things that she likes that I have no desire for. And that's kind of the way that it works with Jesus, too. In John 14, I believe it's 22, he talked about, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then in, in this book, in First John, I believe it says, and it's not grievous to you. It's not a chore. So you do the things that the other person, or in this case Jesus, wants you to do, and it's not hard because you want to spend time with them, you want to please them. And so um, what I've learned is that it's not always about what I want. Sometimes it'd be nice if it was a little bit, and sometimes it is. But love causes you to do things that you don't really have any interest in, but you want to be with a person that has that interest. And so you do that in order to spend quality time with that person. I remember when we first got together, it didn't matter what we were doing. We just liked being together, you know. And I can remember when I was when I was first born again, it was like, I don't know, it was like a light came in me and I had this this peace and, and knowing that God loved me. You know, you, you have to have some sense of uh, not condemnation but conviction from the Holy Spirit to know that you're not worthy to have a relationship with a holy God. And that's what brings you into it. And then you learn what he did for you, and then saving faith begins to dawn in your heart, and you accept Jesus, and it's like it's like a cleansing, but it's pure love. You know, I haven't ever experienced anything like that moment of salvation when the love of God came in me. It changed me, and it made me a better man. Yeah, I went round and round for years, you know, but... He he's always faithful. He's faithful even when we're not. And uh, 
One of the other things that I wanted to talk about too was as we go uh, as we go through our Sunday services, I like to try to look for new faces and make sure that I go up and introduce myself and let them know that I'm glad that they're there. People that come and start visiting churches, they're looking for love. They're looking for the manifest presence of God, and we can be that to them. But if we're so focused on our conversation in the foyer or sitting with our friends, then sometimes we miss the the actual ministry that God has you there for that day because you're so wrapped up in yourself. I think it's really important to greet people that you haven't seen before. They may have come, because a lot of times I'll say, I try not to say, are you new here? And they'll say, no, I've been coming here for a month. You know? So I just introduce myself and let, and let them know that I'm glad they're there and that I'm happy to meet them and that I want them to be a part of this body. And so if we manifest love to people, it's going to draw them in. Love is light. Light is love. Have you ever noticed how how uh, all the insects are drawn to the light? You know, love and light attract things. And it can only light can only be reflected when it's directed towards something. I learned when I was looking at the light thing that uh, the brightest light in the world is actually at the top of the Luxor Hotel in uh, Las Vegas. And I don't remember the number, but there's individual washing machine sized, uh, I guess you would call them lights, uh, that are all directed toward this prism and it shoots up into the sky. And it says on a clear night where there's no, not a lot of stuff in the sky, you can't even see the beam of light. It's directed at nothing. You can see the reflection of the light off the glass because light absorbs and reflects whatever it hits. But it's shooting into the sky, I think he said, like 21 miles. He said if you got in the... Yeah. If you, and if you get a newspaper and you just happen to be floating around space, you could read it with that light. So I'd like to try that someday, but can't see that happening. Um, really, the point that I wanted to make is, you know, I need, when I prepare for these things, it seems like it's more for me than it is for anybody else, you know, because I seem to get more out of it studying for it than I do when I stand up here and talk about it. I can't articulate what the Holy Spirit taught me over these last seven or eight days of preparing for this. I don't even know how. But I would encourage you to find someone, and and Pastor taught on this a a couple, three years ago. He talked about find some sinners. You know, maybe your neighbor, somebody's close by, and manifest the love of God to them. I have a neighbor across the street. Every time I see him outside doing something, I try to go help or I ask him if he needs help. A lot of times I won't ask him, I'll just go over there and help, you know. But I've asked him to come to church. He's never come. And the girl he lives with, I've asked her, she's never come. But eventually, if I stay at it and I'm led by the Holy Spirit, 
and I and I show them the love of Christ that's in me that wants to help. Whatever it is you're doing, I want to help. Because the same way, it's the same way with Jesus. We think sometimes that God doesn't really care about the little things, but love cares about every facet of your life. And so if we manifest that to other people, they're going to want to know, what is it about this guy? Why, how come he comes over here and wants to help me every time he sees me out here doing something? It's the love of Christ that motivates me. Go ahead, Bill. Don't give up, right, Gary? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bill? Yeah, I worked on him for a long time. Yeah. My neighbor across the street. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good like, testimony. Oh, here he comes again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what did you do? Well, uh, uh, I knew he lived alone, and every time I looked over, he was building another wall around him. Uh, Pastor Evelyn can attest to that. But, you know, he was closing himself in, and and the first few times I went over, he talked about all the. He was trying to keep out all the evil things. You know. He thought he could build a wall big enough. Uh, around him to protect himself, you know. And I kept telling him that he needs he need God. He didn't need right. to depend on a wall, and he needed to come to church. Right. And so every week I asked him to go to church, and he finally came, and, mm-hmm. and he finally... Uh, first night was that, first night of men's quarry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I invited him that because that was an open deal yeah. for men, you know. And then the next week he came, or that Sunday he came to... And a few weeks later, he he gave up the devil. Yeah. I never yeah. seen that. Never seen a man. <laughs> a man, I could see the devil coming. Because mm-hmm. Pastor Allen and uh, I think Jake uh, um, was there, and uh, he, he gave up. He gave up the devil here. Mm-hmm. That, that right there, and he's. I need a little help from my friends to drive them out. <laughs> yeah, but he's been an inspiration to me, you know, uh, and, and a friend. I call him my brother, and I love him. Yeah, that's an awesome testimony of what I'm actually talking about yeah. here. You know, when people see that there's something in you that they don't have, then they're going to start asking you about, what is it about you? Well, you, you know? can't get angry at someone who shows no offensive nature mm-hmm. because that warmth, the love, the, the you know, it, it's harder to say, get out of here, you know, mm-hmm. because you haven't really done anything, right. you know, bad. Well, you show the characteristics nature. of the Holy Spirit when you're offering to help, because he's our helper, right? And the Holy Spirit is God. And so when you're offering to help, you're showing love characteristics that are part of God and who He is. It seems like there were so many things that I wanted to interject that uh, I really need some more people to put in. That was Bill and Gary Kidder. Gary invited and got Bill involved in our church. That was a good example. Anybody else got any input? Well, I... I'm connecting what you're saying to the text. Uh, God is light. Of course, we know God is love, so there's a light-love connection. And in this text, there's also kind of a darkness-sin connection. Mm -hmm. So could it be some sin problems really is a lack of love? A lack of love robs us of fellowship with each other. Mm -hmm. And 
we can cover that up with religious jargon and we're lying. To ourselves. Say, to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Say that we're walking in God's light. Meanwhile, we, we aren't walking in fellowship with our brother. We're walking in darkness. But if we confess our sin, there's, there's forgiveness promised to us. Yeah, I, I thank, thank you for connecting this in my brain to, uh, obviously this applies to all sin, but in this text, it's really connecting to the lack of fellowship and lack of love, yeah. Absolutely. Add to that. That's a really good insight. When you're talking about light, love, and and darkness, from a science point of view, darkness is not the opposite of light. Darkness is the absence of light. Absolutely. And so if you look at it from the standpoint that darkness is the absence of love or light, Mm -hmm. then, you know, there's that emptiness. Absolutely. That's a very good point. Steve Joy. <laughs> what, if, what, if, Scott, what if some some darkness you just can't penetrate? There's no darkness that can't be penetrated no, by light. You put forth an effort, like I said, to help someone. And they don't want to let you help them? Yeah, no matter what you do. Well, what did Jesus do when we rejected him? You know, when I was already born again at 12, and I rejected him, and I chose to walk in darkness, what did he do? He loved me anyway. He was patient. He was kind. And one of the one of the things that I think that we get confused <clears throat> in our walk is people major on faith. People major on the works that they do, you know, at the church, you know, the things they volunteer to do, whatever that might be. People major on praise and worship. People overshoot and they'll find a truth in the Bible and make it the truth. Uh, And they'll overemphasize. There has to be a balance. But throughout the scriptures we find that let's, let's learn how to make the main thing the main thing. The main thing is love. And if you read any of John's writings, you'll find that John was the disciple that Jesus loved. And he writes from, if you'll, one of the things when studying the scripture is uh, the first thing that you need to realize is who's doing the speaking. Because perspective is reality. It's your reality. If I'm standing over here and there's something between me and what other people are seeing, this is still my reality. I can't see what the other people are seeing. But over there where they're standing, their perspective is their reality. So when you realize that the person that's writing the scripture and have some insight into who he is and how he, what his perspective is, it sheds new light on, on the scripture. And number two, you need to know who is being spoken to. And it's obvious to me that this scripture was written for the church, for the believers. I mean, you don't talk about darkness in people and love and the manifestations of love and not loving the world to unbelievers. <clears throat> you need to know who's speaking, some insight into their character, and you need to know who's being spoken to. And then interpret it in the light of the Holy Spirit and in the light of those things. And you'll get a lot more insight when you're reading the Scripture. 
and this is something that I've just recently learned in the last couple of years and and the scriptures are actually coming alive to me in a different in a totally different way because about I guess right about a year before I got married I started I started to study the scripture and there's a scripture that says study to show yourself approved unto God you know I wanted to be approved if I ever wanted to be approved by anybody it's by God and so I got through, I got through school on football scholarships and smart aleck and popularity, but I never really learned how to study. And I had to humble myself before God, and I said, Lord, I'm reading this verse, and I get tripped up on the first word in the verse. I can't go any further because I don't know how to study. I never learned how to study through all through high school. And I said, Holy Spirit, I need you to teach me how to study. But I didn't know how. And the first book that I studied, and he gave me insights on these things that I'm talking with you about, was the book of Jude. The smallest. Is it the smallest book in the Bible? Well, second. Yeah. No, the third John, I think, is the smallest. Yeah. Well, it was one of the smaller books in the Bible. And he began to walk me through step by step. How do I study? You know, there's references in here. <clears throat> there's little letters and numbers in a column. And I learned, he showed me how to do that. You know, and it's so many times in the New Testament, he's referencing types and shadows that are in the Old Testament. And all those things in the Old Testament were for an example for us. So there are things that they did that we don't want to, we want to learn from their mistakes. One of the best ways to learn is to watch somebody else's mistakes and then don't do them. I did it the opposite way for many, many, many years. You know, and it's it's just wrong. But anyway, back to what I was saying was we need to come to a place to where we are manifesting the love of Christ in our workplace, in our church meetings, in meetings like this. I think... Uh, that we probably should actually make more time to fellowship with other brothers and sisters. And because uh, you, you make time for what's important to you. And obviously, John had a revelation that loving your brethren was very important. Go ahead. It's kind of talking about what you brought up there. You know, I don't. When it comes to a hard case like that, I, I, I like to spend a lot more time just praying for them. Asking God will bring conviction, revelation. It's the Holy Spirit's job to bring conviction. Well, and uh, well, I, I have been. I'll continue to do so. Yeah, no, yeah. Because and I don't. That's what the Holy Spirit wants. Yeah, to and do. I don't. You know, we human beings, we tend to have like this fear that we live in with our influence and what we consider are our truths that seem to, you know, whether that's incorrect or correct. And but God's fear is much much bigger than much any of us. Sure, sure. And uh, but as God would bring conviction into a person, was like, hey, what you got going there isn't right. And in that time, I also asked the Lord. I kind of partnered with the Lord. It's like, okay, well, you show me the right time to bring something up because I don't want it to be work of the flesh. I just go out there and start talking about something and He's not there yet. And uh, well, what's your name? 
I'm sorry, yeah. terrible with names. <laughs> Matt, I'm sorry. Matt, and he was talking to Melvin over there, yeah. Yeah. answering think, his question. I think, Mel, you don't see the whole picture. The story's not over. You're sowing seeds. That's another metaphor yep. of kind acts we do for people. You're sowing seeds. Uh, Gary worked for a while on Bill before he began to see the light being reflected back. So, yeah. And Melvin needs to understand First Corinthians three six. Well, go ahead and read it to him. You got it there? Rick Hicks. Rick. Which version is it? Sounds familiar to scripture. I want to, I can sort of quote it, but it's some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. Paul says, I planted Apollos water, it, but it was God that gave the increase. So you're, you're going to either be the planter, the waterer, or bringing in the increase doesn't, or you may you may do all three. Well, I don't mean all three, but you may be involved in all three. But generally speaking, most people are involved in number one, the planting of the seed, where you're That's planting, good. you're planting, and you're planting, and you're planting, and you just don't see anything, and then some one some schmuck walks along and walks them right into church and gets gets them shanked. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, here you, you pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and don't see yeah. anything happen and then somebody else comes along and you want to go to church right. with me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's where that verse comes in. God gives the increase, you know. Yeah, now we, you and I had talked quite a bit about pain to see. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's about all I can, you know, we as, as followers, of, followers of the Lord, that's about all we can do. We are messengers of the Lord. We can plant the seed. I can't make it grow. Exactly. Right. 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 The other metaphor of light is they're blind. Right. Spiritually blind. They're Sometimes in we had a blind man in our house. He wanted to use the restroom. I said, let me turn the light on for you. I don't need it. What? He's blind. Yeah. Let me go back to verse 7 for a second. Is Bill right? Tom. Tom. See? That was Bill over there. Okay. Just Tom. Go ahead. I'm going to read the verse again. It says, and if we walk in the light as he, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and, this is still about fellowship, mm-hmm. we have fellowship, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Mm. Where'd you take it's just that not, this is verse 7. First oh, John. Oh, first John. Yeah, first John, verse 7. So we have not only fellowship with one another, but we're in fellowship with the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all sin. Absolutely. What a novel idea to bring us back to the text. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Good. Brother Tom? Good. No charge. Yeah, that's great. Anybody else? Go ahead. I was thinking about the Apostle Paul. He, I would think he was kind of a hard case. And then you think <laughs> murdering Christians? Yeah. And one minute he's holding the coats of the people that stoned Stephen. I wonder if he got anything out of that. A seed maybe was planted. Mm. But then shortly after that, he's on the road to Damascus, and a brilliant light from heaven shines. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at his life, it's like all the pieces of his life came together and. 
everything was just, everything really didn't have any reality to it. And all that Old Testament stuff that he knew, he knew that forwards and backwards. But when the light shined, when Jesus appeared to him, it all made sense then. And it all came into reality then. Right. Thank you, James. I appreciate that. Uh, One of the things later, he said he counted all that education as a pile of Mm poo-poo. You know, it didn't mean anything compared to the light Mm -hmm. of knowing Christ. But all of that became reality. When he met the Lord, you know, the Absolutely. Word and the Spirit. And like I'm working on this guy right now for several years. I've been working on this guy. And he lives right across the street from Waples, Waples mm-hmm. Church. And what got me started on him was he's, he, I don't know where the, his comment came up was, I don't like preachers. I can't stand them. And they're not getting any money from me, from me no, not a dime. <laughs> that was his mm-hmm. introductory statement. And, I said, I've been a preacher for several years. <laughs> he looked at Can me. Can I borrow a dollar? <laughs> he said, they're all lazy and no good. And I said, well, I've always worked. I've worked as a carpenter and a cement finisher. And and kind of let him know that, you know, he probably saw the wrong side of things. But anyway, I've made friends with him. Mm-hmm. That's what I've done. Like you say, share the light. So instead of browbeating him, I've made friends with him. Absolutely. And I always pay him right on time like I'm supposed to. I made friends with him. And and uh, so uh, I expect to see some fruit. And, and I called him the other day. And I said, hey, we're going to sing at that, that church over there across from you there. And he said, which one? <laughs> right, there's so many. <laughs> I kind of backed him to a corner, but... I said, man, I'm glad you asked me that because I'm really not sure. I guess I better find that out. Right. But anyway, you know, we let the light of God shine on them. I don't care if you're in a cattle pen talking about cows or if you're talking about scriptures or whatever you're doing. The Lord lets his light shine to us. Amen, that's good. Works and all. Okay, I usually have an action statement or a challenge anytime I teach because I can listen to the Word and we can talk about it all day long and it has absolutely zero effect unless we actually do it. I mean, we have an actual group of godly men in here and I've heard examples from almost everybody and probably almost everybody's already doing this, you know, manifesting the love of God to, to others around them. That's a great thing. I want to make a challenge that you find somebody that is either much richer than you or much poorer than you that doesn't belong in your class, somebody that may be at your work that you just have this disdain for. I mean, everywhere I've worked, there's always been one person that just rubs me the wrong way. And I'm probably the only one in here that has that problem. (laughs) But I want to challenge you to begin to pray the to bless those people and begin to pray for them and watch God open up a door to start a relationship with that person and manifest the love of Christ to them. Because when we start doing the things that Jesus said, Jesus said, pray for your enemies. And I've caught myself, you know, wanting to have these terrorists killed, you know, and talking about killing them. But that's not God's heart for the terrorists. He died for them too. It's not. And I saw a sign that 
uh, a Marines posted it said, it's God's job to judge the terrorists. It's our job to make the appointment. Yeah. You know, and I kind of took that attitude on. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, man, I want to kill these guys. But that's not the love of God. God died for terrorists, too. And if you'll, if I, my wife got a book. It talks, has ten stories of different Muslims that come to Christ. And when they actually call out the name of Jesus, and they, and they say, Lord, show me the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God manifests himself because all they've ever known, they've been indoctrinated to darkness. And then when they see the light, they see the light clearer than most of us ever do. And they're changed forever. So I want to make that challenge. And I want you to know, too, that that blessing that the pastor says over us usually almost every Sunday, uh, that's called the Aaronic Blessing, You'll pray that blessing. There's nothing more powerful in prayer than to pray the scriptures. And I believe it's even more powerful than speaking in your prayer language myself. Because Isaiah talks about, for as the rain comes down and waters the earth, if you'll read Isaiah 55, the last six, eight verses, you'll see it. what God promises that when you return his word to him, it won't come back without any power, that it'll... It will prosper in the thing for which he sent it, and it will accomplish what he pleases. And so I, I challenge you to pray. Uh, what is it, First Samuel chapter 6? First, first, no, Numbers chapter 6, verse 21 through 24. It's the last few verses of the chapter. But I challenge you to find somebody that you actually don't like, you know, that you see on a constant basis. Begin to pray that prayer for them and manifest the love of God to them. God will open doors. When you start praying, God will open doors for you to have encounters and conversations with these people that we don't like. And God always moves on his word. If you pray those prayers out of a sincere heart, God will open doors. And that's basically all I got. Just hold on. We're going to see if anybody in Radio Land... Have uh, some things to say. Brothers? Hey, Al. Al. So we're, so we're talking about light. Very good point about light. Um, yes, the, you know, the absence of light is indeed darkness, but the absence of darkness is not light. Light is something that's focused, it's projected, it's directed, and it's spoken. It happens. Because if light doesn't happen, then there is darkness. That's good. So so it's an intentional thing. A hollow That's good. Anything else? 